0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon.
1: Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Brett Blankner with another great episode. Of Zen and the art of triathlon. Hey on this show we're going to do a detailed analysis of how I PR'd and how I trained with polarized training and had a wonderful day at the Rocky Raccoon 50-mile trail run. That's an ultra marathon and a 50 miler is a lot like doing an Ironman. It takes about the same amount of time. It's actually more painful on the legs and Everything comes into play, such as fueling and pacing and mindset and how to train for something like this. And actually, I did a lot of triathlon training, a lot of swimming and biking to make the run training uh, work for this. And I did better than I've ever done before. I set a new record for myself. And I think I got 10th in my age group, and I got 36th overall out of, oh, about, 200 and I'm just going to guess that uh, 250 starters it, they have about a 20 15 to 20 percent DNF rate these trail runs are really really hard and it's about 2500 feet 20 yeah 2500 feet of elevation gain and it was a beautiful day and it just worked out really really nicely so I'm going to detail for you how I got it done so that you can do similar things yourself and then also we're going to cover a little bit of triathlon news and tell you what's going on with the with the show and what's coming up and what's going on all right so let's go ahead and get started with a little bit of yeah the triathlon news here we go all right the biggest thing that's happened in the world of triathlon recently is that the WTC, the World Triathlon Corporation, that's the company that owns the Ironman brand, has changed a bunch of their rules for racing. And it's actually really nice that it's standardized around around the world. And I think the most important thing that people would want to know is the draft zones for an age group athlete. This is now 10 meters long draft zone and measured from the leading edge of the front wheel of your bike extending towards the back of the bike in front of you. So it's about five bike lengths. So one meter is uh, two meters is one bike length. And so it's about five bike lengths of clear space between bikes. An age group athlete may enter the draft zone of another athlete when passing and must continuously progress through progress through the draft zone. A maximum of twenty seconds will be allowed to pass through the zone of another athlete. So I think some races it's it's been different, and you don't really know. And a lot of the pros are excited that there's at least a standard for all races. And this might be um, the same. The pros have a different draft uh, distance I'm going to talk about in a second. But there's a um, uh, a lot of alignment here with ITU International, International Triathlon Union. Uh, professional athletes. Professional bicycle draft zone is 12 meters long. So that's an extra bike. Six bike lengths. And... A professional athlete must immediately move to the side upon entering the draft zone of another athlete. So it's got to be staggered, no slipstreaming, and must continuously progress (laughs) through the draft zone. A maximum of 25 seconds will be allowed to pass through the zone of another athlete. All right, so there's lots of talk on Twitter about the pros. Thanking everybody for uh, getting this done And um, Challenge, actually, I don't know what it is, but Challenge has a really good draft zone uh, ruling. The Challenge um, races that pros really, really, really like. So you got to check that out. Um, Let's see. If you get penalties for this, you can get disqualified on the third penalty. So first one, five minutes. Second one, another five minutes. Third time, you're out. Disqualification. And then also, we have some wetsuit information. Uh, wetsuit is pr- pros. Um, can't wear a wetsuit below 71.5. Age groupers can't be allowed to wear wetsuits under 76.1. And oh, if you're from <laughs> if you're from another country, then it's uh, 29, 21.9 C centigrade, uh, 24.5 centigrade. Uh, for pros and age groupers doesn't seem to be that different to me um People are really sensitive about um about water temperature uh, I think a lot of it is uh what you 're used to, and then it's definitely a lot to do with your body fat and um you can take somebody that 's uh got a lot of body fat and cold temperatures don't bother them at anywhere near as bad and then You can um, get skinny and cold temperatures bother you. But then it's not that way for everybody. Some people don't seem to be bothered as much. I personally can get really, really cold in cold water. And um, when it gets to be 68, 69 degrees, I can last about an hour. And I really, my body starts to shut down about start shutting down about 45, 50 minutes in and I can stand it a little bit longer but then I've got issues for a while after that for example and then um, USA Triathlon sanctioned events uh, reserves the right to allow athletes to participate in the non competitive wetsuit wave for for temperatures seventy six point two and up to eighty three point eight uh, and that's twenty four point five centigrade twenty. C and there's a, there's, there's lots more. So if you, uh, if you go to the leading triathlon websites, you'll find articles, links to this. And one of the, one of the interesting ones is, for example, you can't wear a snorkel now, um, without a doctor's note. And I kind of agree with that. Um, if you're wearing a snorkel, uh, it's kind of like train. It's kind of like training wheels on a bike. That's what people that have gotten beyond that and know it's not necessary. Um, feel or are thinking (laughs) when they see you swimming with a snorkel. And, um, I don't, I don't like to judge too much. You know, if you need a snorkel or you want to want to wear a snorkel and I know snorkel causes extra drag. So it's really not that it's not any faster. It's not a big deal. But, um, if you, if you're planning on, uh, trying to get around swimming and, uh, you know, just survive it and maybe even just wear a snorkel, you're going to need a doctor's note. I don't know who you give the doctor's note to, but that's kind of crazy. All right. Also, in, on Twitter news, um, I have managed to become friends just briefly with the the guy who is in charge of the challenge races in the Middle East, and i don 't know what that's going to lead to, but I am super excited about that. I have so much respect for what challenge is doing and uh, just everything that that they're doing, how they handle the pros, how they handle races, and it's just so great so we're going to see where that where that leads um, on the Zentri front, we are doing um, uh, the home front, we are trying to sell our house to move to a new home and trying to figure out if we can afford an endless pool. And we're trying to work on that. And there's all kinds of cool stuff. And I think that's, I think that's about it for now. I need to get this show out and wrap this up so that uh, everybody can uh, see uh, what I did and, and use some of the training info and racing info for the Rocky Raccoon that, uh, went so well and then we can move on to more shows with more interviews with pros and race directors and all kinds of cool stuff like that. Um, I know that Justin Metzler has offered to be on some more shows and he's doing a training camp and let's see, uh John Hirsch did Isra Man. That's the Iron Man in Israel. And he's uh, wanting to come on the show to talk about that. That's one of the hardest Ironmans out there. Uh, oh he did the half and I think he got fourth he got fourth overall he's a pro and so that'll be some cool stuff coming up in future shows all right let's go ahead and get started with the review of the rocky raccoon here we go all right what i'm looking at here is my notes after the race uh, leading up to the race a little bit and then after the race, and I highly suggest doing this because if you ever do the same race again or you want to look at your notes from a race that went really well or a race that went really bad, what you can do is create a Google document, anything like that. I do Workflowy, which is really nice, and I create a category, um, a bullet point for races and then sub-bullets and stuff like that for other races, and workflow is a really cool document. Um, Zoom in, zoom out. Uh, I don't know. It's like a logging thing. It's really, really cool. So check them out, Workflowy.com. And I have uh, a list of races that I've done and kept notes on of significant stuff. And it's it's really cool. So step one, <laughs> when you do a race, take notes um, after afterwards. And what I do is I spend about the next week writing down notes about the race, things that come to mind, things that I should have done, things that I shouldn't have done, things that uh, I could have done better, and things that went well, and things that I'd change. And I write them down in my notes, and then I create a document. And then if I ever do the race again, I can pull them up. And the the week after the race is a really good time to do this, because this is like... You know, if you ever get into an argument with somebody and then you walk off and then like a 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, man, I should have said this. <laughs> then I would, have, I would have really won the argument. This is what that is. This is a way to go, oh, man, I should have done this or this worked really well. And this is a, uh, this, it's a natural thing like after something happens later to think, oh, man, I should have done this. That's when you want to capture all this stuff. So what we're going to do is go through my list of stuff, and yeah, uh, also, if you're new to the podcast, I should also mention um, who I am. I forgot to do that towards the beginning. I don't like to do that like every show, but every once in a while, I forget, or every once in a while, it's uh, nice to remind people who your host is for this podcast, so you know where all this information is coming from. Uh, I've been doing triathlons since about 2002. And, um, I'm pretty competitive. I come from a, a, I'm a competitive person and I come from a swimming background, um, with a little mix of other sports like basketball and track and stuff like that. But, um, I was really a competitive high school swimmer and then got burned out and I was a sprint freestyler and, uh, getting into the triathlon stuff. I used to mountain bike before doing triathlon and surf when I lived in California and, um, I've done... I don't know, like over, over the years, I finally got to a point where I could do Ironmans and I've done about 13 Ironmans and I've done a hundred mile trail run and I've done, I have no idea how many 50 milers, like six to eight. And I've done, um, a whole bunch of, a whole, whole, whole bunch of half Ironmans and I'm really competitive and good at the shorter stuff. And then I'm not a small guy. So I, um, as when it starts getting longer and longer and longer, I get a little bit less (laughs) competitive because I weigh around 180 pounds and I'm six foot three. And you know, the longer you go, the better off you are to be, uh, skinnier and scrawnier and the, um, it just kind of works against me, uh, swimmers have a lot of upper body muscle mass just naturally over, over time. And, uh, that's what I'm working against. So when I'm doing the Rocky Raccoon 50, I did uh, pretty well. I look like in the photos, I look like a Viking that's out, uh, lost, lost his ship and is out wandering the woods, which is kind of funny. And like, Hey, where's, where's the village I need to pillage. And, uh, so that 's a little bit about me and uh, where I come from i 'm um, always trying to qualify for Kona and i've gotten closer and closer and closer every year and and i 'm just like you i 'm trying to figure it out you know and uh, and then what I learn along the way, I pass along in this podcast because the lifestyle is just so awesome, and I like uh, describing uh, the the riddle of of, uh, endurance sports. And, um, over time I've gotten a whole lot better. I used to, uh, be terrible at the longer stuff. I mean, just, it was a nightmare out there. And I finished a race, my first ever half Ironman. And a guy told me that I was inspirational. And I said, why? And he said, because you looked, he was behind me when, when we finished just by, you know, a hundred feet. And he said, cause you looked so terrible out there. You look like you were dying but you just would not stop. (laughs) And I thought, okay, I guess that's, I guess that's good. (laughs) And then now, um, after 10 years, 10, 12 years, well, definitely like, uh, 10, nine years of doing the half Ironman and Ironman distance. I'm now a, an, uh, all world athlete, uh, top 5% of, of half Ironman and Ironman racers. Uh, you know that little program that Ironman does, and uh, so that's that's really cool. And uh, I'm getting towards the top of my age group and getting closer to qualifying for Kona all the time. And I, I find the biggest block to uh, getting faster is getting sucked into um, crazy stuff that's promoted on the web and on the internet and forums and stuff. And then and you keep getting distracted trying some crazy new thing when actually just traditional smart training. Uh, works out. But, but the human tendency is to not, um, is to get distracted and to, to always be looking for the quick fix. And that's, it's always takes you on a, on a, on a route or on a route sideways instead of moving forward. But the way forward is uh, so simple and so plain (laughs) That and just and just work that you keep wishing that there's a um, there's an easier way and you get distracted and go sideways. So that's a lot of what this show is about is to detail the uh, the ways I go sideways and then I bring it back, <laughs> bring it back online and then I improve and I tell you what worked. Okay, so that's enough about me. Um, uh, let's see. Before the race, the Rocky Raccoon. Okay, so it's a beautiful and it's a classic trail run race. They do the hundred. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, I've done the hundred one time, and that was brutal. That was. <laughs> I managed to uh, say "brutal." That's how hard it was. It was brutal. Um, unbelievably hard, and that's not even a hard 100 miler. It's uh, just uh, 50 feet of elevation gain per mile on average, and it's in Pine Forest, and it's a looping trail, and it's just, uh, it's really well catered, and it's really well uh, professionally run, and lots of the, I've done the race, and Scott Jurek, and other famous people are on the course, uh, Ian Sharman, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of some other famous people are out there on the trail with you and you can see them going the other way. It's really amazing. And the, uh, it's just such a great classic race and it's really cool to be out there. And now the past couple years, they do the 100 on one weekend and they do the 50 on another weekend. And oh, also in this show, we're going to do an interview with the, um, with the race director and a little bit of audio with Emily and I, uh, before the race and, um, and during the race, no, before the race. Yeah. Kai runs the one miler and I, uh, and he wins, which is really cool. And, uh, the night before the night before the race at the pizza place and, uh, just before the race. So we have a little bit of that audio to mix in, which will be really cool. Okay. Before the race training for the race, I did polarized training. I've been doing that for a while. And it's where um, you do intervals and the intervals stress your muscles kind of like you're lifting weights. And then when you're done with an interval, so an interval can take anywhere from 30 seconds to a minute to five minutes, you know, just like if you were lifting a barbell at the gym. And then when it starts to burn and you start thinking, no, maybe I'm done and your form starts coming apart, you back off. And I'm talking about you back off like you go to zero, you do almost nothing and you let your muscles recover, and then you do it again after you've totally recovered and kind of gotten back, feel like you can get back up to speed and start up again. And it's like fartlek training. And it's basically, it's called polarized because you're either on or you're off. You're either going hard or you're going really, really easy. And what this does is it stimulates uh, muscle growth and it makes you stronger. And at the same time, you're out you know, putting in miles and you're, you're doing this while you're out biking, running and swimming. And it works, it works really, really well. And that was my training method leading up to the race doing about, um, 40 to 45, uh, miles per week. And because you're either on or off, the recovery is actually really, really fast. So, um, my, the week before the race, I was still doing intervals on a treadmill and building up strength in my leg muscles because, uh, you can, <laughs> it's really neat. Um, my longest run before the race was 18 miles and that's it, not 30 miles or anything like that. You only need 18 miles to, to get this done. And then, um, uh, if, that's all I needed. And, um, I did back to back days of 17 and a half to 18 miles, um, the weekend before. And, um, the day before the race, I weighed about 181 pounds and I would say I'm probably about 15%. I'm a little heavy right now. Um, ideal racing weight for me is about 175, 172. Um, So I'm about like 15% body fat. So I'm not like crazy, crazy skinny or anything like that. And yeah, Kai raced the day before and got first with a 750 uh, mile on trails, which was really cool. And uh, you're going to hear in this that he wore my Garmin. (laughs) I have a Garmin 920 XT and I put it it on him and uh, also with my heart rate strap and recorded it and I tried not to be crazy dad, you know, and just... Did it for fun, and uh, you'll hear in the audio from him and uh, see what what uh, what that was like. It was pretty cool. So I've got it recorded, him running a one mile uh, fun run, and then um, yeah, the weekend before the race, I did two long runs back to back. That real, I ran them really really easy, and I was testing fuel. To see, and you can listen to the previous show. I I was testing fuel to see what would be the best mix for the race, and also to really work my ankles and make them uh, really tough. Because one thing that starts to get to you when you're when you're running trails is um, is all the weirdness of what you're hitting with your feet. your plantar fasciitis, your ankles, uh, your toes—like you need to know how to run on trails, and uh, the twisting and the turning and lifting branches up and not hitting your head into branches—and stuff is steep. Even if there's not much climb or descent, the climb that is there is steep because you're going into creek channels and back up again, and that is way different than running on pavement. So. Um, I ran on trails a few times getting up to the race. And that's really important. And (laughs) Emily and I went to the, um, in my notes from the two years before when I did uh, really well, I had in there that we went to Olive Garden the night before the race. And I ate vegetarian pizza. And it was um, fantastic. That I had lots of energy during the race. It was really good. So do that again. So we go to the Olive Garden. Uh, the night before the race, and this is in Huntsville, Texas, and the Olive Garden is considered a real Italian destination. <laughs> and they, uh, they're they like, oh, we asked to see a menu because we had to wait like 10, 15 minutes for a table. We asked to see a menu. And I started looking through the menu, and there's like, there's no pizza on the menu at all. I'm like, what in the world is this? And uh, they said, yeah, we don't do pizza anymore here. And, uh, Emily started arguing with me, like, let's just eat here. And I said, no, Olive Garden is not special. I mean, it's nice, but it's not special. The only reason we're here is for pizza. (laughs) And, uh, so I did the Google maps thing and on my phone and typed in pizza on Google maps and bam, 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 all around town, there's pizza places and double Dave's is a Texas chain. And we went there instead. That's actually, that's actually in the, um, And the audio from the uh, race. And you're going to hear that in a minute. And um, I got in here, you know, like what size pizza I ordered and how much of it I ate. About half of it. (laughs) And that went really well. And yeah, let's go ahead and do some of the audio from the race. And he yeah, had some good stuff. We got an interview with the race director and all kinds of cool stuff. So let's go ahead and put that in. Here we go. Mm-hmm. All right, we are here at the start line of the Rocky Raccoon one-mile run. Let me see Kai's watch. Let me see. Okay. Kai's wearing my Garmin 920 and a heart rate strap. And he's serious. Look at him. I see him. And he's got on his Von Blanc uh-huh. racing shirt. Uh-huh. And we're here to support. Do you
0: know what the course is like?
1: Okay. We're going straight okay.
0: out and straight back. Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna be patient. <laughs> I'll be at later. the turnaround. Yeah. So when you see him, you touch
1: his hand and turn around and come back. There's actually it's even cooler. I guess. something cooler. There's a big oak tree or a big pine tree. I mean, you're gonna run around that tree and go back. Awesome. Yeah. So right. Don't slip. Try on to chase him. him. Okay. If you, win, if you win, if you win, you get his bike. Yeah,
0: all right, if you get
1: tired of running, just walk and then run some more, okay? I can't tell if that's terrible. Is your watch still doing okay? Okay. I'm keeping an eye on Kai's watch so it doesn't go into um, wait running? mode. Yeah, hurry, up. hurry
0: up! We're waiting on you! Oh,
1: no! We're always waiting! Hey, if the... Kai. if the heart rate shock thing comes off, just take it off and hold it in your hand or whatever, okay? It's not that big of a deal. You're probably going to... There's nobody else here your age anymore. Oh, there's tick, one kid. Tick, tick, I
0: know. Go sign up. Get your babe.
1: Oh, they got to sign up. Okay, hold on.
0: You're going to be the fastest one in
1: Okay, here we go. Go, 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 Kai. Go, Kai. So Kai's in the lead. There's one, two, three, four, five, six kids. And there's a mountain biker leading, a grown-up leading. Kai is definitely in the lead. Second place just started walking. There <laughs> you go. One of the girls is running in cowboy boots. That's funny. All right. And we'll uh, have data on Kai when we're done. It'll be funny. I reminded Kai that there's actually prizes, I think. Yeah. You, there have been in the past few years. And so, all of a sudden he was like, okay, I'm gonna race this thing. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, we see Kai. He's coming down the stretch, down the power line. He's running hard. Woo, go, go, go! Boom. Nice. Good job. Wow. Good job. Nice job. Hey, Kai! Over here, Kai! Really great job. Good job. Did you hit stop? No. You just hit like that. That's done. Cool. Nice.
0: Good job. Go Over to the prize
1: All right. table. All right, we're here with the first place winner of the Rocky Raccoon One Mile Trail Run. It's your first victory at a trail race, Kai. How you feeling? Good. So how was it? How was the course?
0: Um good. I remembered it well. Yeah. yeah. That helps, doesn't it?
1: Mhm. I think some more people are coming. We should
0: go cheer for them.
1: So, you uh, are you tired? Did you push hard the whole way? Mhm. All right. Cool. Would you get
0: uh, a little bird?
1: A cool metal painted bird
0: that says Rocky 1, One mile, mile 2015
1: and then you got a medal and a yo-yo? Yep. Ooh, that's a good one. Cool. All right. Awesome, dude. I'm proud of you. Good job. All right. I'm here with Joe Persaitis, the race director for Rocky Raccoon 150 and a whole bunch of other races. Yep. And uh, so how was the 100 last weekend?
0: Oh, it's fantastic. Good weather, fast yeah. times. It really turned out well.
1: Yeah. I saw Ian Sharman won. And there's some uh, finish line, well, not really finish line, but finish line tent interviews with some of your winners. The- yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had a new uh, unbelievable time for the women as well.
1: Yeah, there was a what was the time? I saw it was broken.
0: Fourteen twenty-two for Nicole Studer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's such a thing as world records for trail, but it's certainly probably the fastest time a woman's ever run for 100 miles on trail. Wow. So freaky fast. Yeah, hell of a run she had. Yeah. And it was the uh, the USA TF. um, She was that champ for USATF yeah. for the women. And what was the and prizes? A thousand bucks.
1: A thousand bucks for
0: the male and female winners. Yeah. Um, Paul Terranova was the first place Male. He was third overall, but first for the uh, USATF.
1: So uh, Ian Charman's uh, originally from the UK, yeah. and uh, the other guy was from Italy. Uh, the other Italy. guy
0: was from Italy, yeah. So Ian Charman certainly had the race of the day, yeah. but he was not a U.S. citizen, so he wasn't in the championship. Yeah. So he had a phenomenal run. He won the race. I had a hell of a good run he did, yeah. pretty evenly paced. But I guess Nicole Studer was the uh, was the story of the day, running a time like that for uh, for the women. I yeah. mean, it was fantastic to watch. So uh,
1: tomorrow, the fifty, you think uh, the weather forecast is going to be a little bit warmer than usual? I think so. So what do yeah. we what do we do? Do we just pour more water on ourselves? Or uh, no, I don't think you
0: pour more water. You use the ice. I think uh-huh. if you use more water, you just you just flush yourself out. Yeah. So I think you need to eat and drink like you normally do. You just need to use the ice that we have at the aid
1: stations. Okay. Is that you ringing? Do you need to get yeah. that? No, no. I'll just oh, okay. push the button and <laughs> shut it down here. Um, so there's going to be ice at the aid stations. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know when that.
0: it's warm day, we always put ice out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can yeah. totally use that. Yeah, we live here in Texas, and in Texas, we have to use the ice. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a
1: race we do. We don't have it at it, but
0: some of them we don't need it. Yeah.
1: Awesome, so. man. I'm really excited. Um, I came here six seven eight years ago and did the 50 with chris Matus.
0: oh yeah and it
1: about freaking killed me and yeah. then i said i got to come back and get better at this oh good. So good i'm down from a 12 hour or something to a nine and a half well, like. you must have trimmed down some and done some <laughs> training huh? I, I trained a lot Well, good for you man yeah it's awesome coming back every year like a repeatable quality race to come back and do yeah it's a good place the good it's measure up measure yourself against the same thing every year
0: it's a good litmus test see where you're at yeah i mean it's oh it's not far from where you're at so it's easy to come down here and go for a run i used to years ago they had a race here called Sunmart. yeah right that we used to do and i did the 50 miler like 12 years in a row and it was a good litmus test for me to see where i was each year yeah 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 so what other races do you put on bandera 100k uh there's uh, hell's hills there's cactus rose um Wild Hare, um, Pandora's, um, what else, New I've heard of
1: Pandora's. Where, where is that?
0: A Pandora's is a trail marathon in May that I do outside of Burnett. Oh, wow. So is it big, really hilly? Uh, it's not necessarily hilly. It's on a big granite dome. So wow. it's uh, it's a pretty easy course, but there's a three-mile section. The whole thing is one big rock.
1: It's not Enchanted Rock, is
0: it? It's the next biggest dome in the whole region after Enchanted Rock. Okay. Yeah, but it's not a state park. It's a guy's uh, private ranch. Oh, cool.
1: Awesome, yeah. cool. Okay, so what, did I cut you off? Were there any more races? I
0: would uh, there probably is, but my brain's a little fuzzy. I've been out here a whole week. <laughs> I did the 100-miler, and now we've hung around all week cleaning up and getting ready for the 50-miler. Okay. So, yeah, I'm
1: a little yeah. fuzzy. Are you going right to keep doing the, them on separate weekends, or are you going to bring uh, them we, back together? We will
0: evaluate each year. Our numbers were a little down this year, yeah. and, and we looked at it, but I think probably next year we may even add a 50K to the 50 mile to get some more numbers in it, because the numbers are down this year.
1: Yeah. I wonder sp- why. It doesn't make sense.
0: I uh, know it doesn't make any sense, but that's how it rolls sometimes. There's there's a lot more races in the state now, yeah. and so the numbers are spreading out, but at the same time, it's generating more trail runners, yeah. more people getting into uh, into this sport, yeah. which means eventually we'll end up with more runners back at this race again. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, you have fun.
1: All right, we're in the Zentri Mobile Studios. And it it here we are. Again. <laughs> and it's five oh seven AM. Emily got a good wake up from me. Hey baby.
0: We're leaving in like twenty minutes. It's
1: four twenty, get up. <laughs>
0: yeah, after I spent I don't know how long asking what yeah. time
1: to get up and so I set by alarm for four thirty. You're so pretty, man.
0: Uh-huh. And then I'm still trying to get ready and y'all are in the car. You're so I didn't have a contacts in yet.
1: You're amazing. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day.
0: That's not today.
1: It could be every day. Kai, I was just telling Kai the secret of steel and about how the Vikings were some of the people that and figured out steel. Yep. And so they used it for armor and weapons, and that's why they dominated for a while. For a while. Well, until other people figured it out. Then they lost their advantage. So, The, um, the race is this morning. What are you eating, Kai? Some kind of balance bar or something like that? Yeah. You know, that's for ladies. You're going to turn into a woman.
0: It is not for ladies.
1: guy's popping his fingers (laughs) girlfriend (laughs) anyway (laughs) so it's uh pitch black we're in the forest it's going to it's 40 degrees right now maybe 41 42 Um, i'm supposed to be 45 at race start supposed to be a high of 70 75 today there's people running around all over the place dropping off bags it's 508 and the race starts at six um okay so we got a couple things going on uh with uh recording and stuff like that. So I'm going to be doing live tracking on my watch. Um, So I'm using the Garmin 920, which allows uh, live tracking and I'm wearing my phone. Lots of people do. Um, In fact, most people probably do wear a phone on them. And then, uh, so my watch talks to my phone and then my phone transmits out the, uh, my location and stuff like that. And my, my uh, vital signs so Emily can see that I'm still alive and wait, then
0: wait, I'm sorry let's what? go back and repeat what did you say about some my vital signs
1: my vital signs did I not say that right
0: uh, but I miss what you said who's checking them you when
1: because you're gonna get a map of me running and it's going to show my heart rate and speed and all kinds of stuff Okay, the heart heart rate's
0: not vital signs all by itself. I okay, nurse. I thought you meant we were
1: gonna. Oh my when you were god! Your
0: blood pressure and all that. Oh my I god! Meant
1: all that. You bring the nerd, signs. bring the nursing nerd level down a little bit. <laughs> to most people, so heart rate would be a vital sign.
0: You said I could do lab draws on YouTube. <laughs> okay, we're you know? not
1: doing lab draws. We're not gonna prick my finger every mile. We could. to see my lactic acid profile. You got to have to drag a med cart behind me while i a crash, run. Cart? A crash cart? Crash yeah, cart? I might. Code. You're, what's you're what's code brown mean? What's code brown mean?
0: You know exactly
1: what it means. What is code brown? It's
0: popular in nursing homes.
1: It, I poop my pants. <laughs> Keep
0: on going. I feel like
1: I poop my pants right now. Great. Kai's laughing so hard he's laid down in the back. Kai, how was your good. race yesterday? Oh, good. Okay. Uh, so battery life is an issue. Issue. So we're going to do live tracking on me until I get down to probably where I start getting worried about battery life and then um, and then maybe turn it off because I want to get um, I want to leave the, the watch on and then also I'm gonna be listening to music off and on and um, I, in my notes from last year it said bring headphones and and also I was listening to an interview on uh, Talk Ultra with a guy that's famous for, he's not that fast, but he's just done tons and tons of marathons in the UK and tons of stuff and uh, ran across the Sahara and all that stuff. And he he said this the exact same thing. Bring headphones because when other people start talking around you, especially if they're talking negative talk, like, oh, I just don't know. This is so hard, whatever. You want to be able to tune them out. And then in my notes, it said that some people, when they get real chatty, um, but they're talking to each other, not to you, that they, um, uh, it gets really distracting and it can actually get kind of annoying for some reason. And uh, to put on your own music, kind of block them out temporarily. I don't have enough battery to run music the entire time, but um, so what I'm going to do is carry my headphones with me and then use it strategically. So everything is appropriate response. Right, Kai? Zen? Zen? Zen. 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 Kai, how's your meditation going? Great. How many times did you meditate We're going in the past week? I
0: hop! as soon oh. as you take off.
1: Is that where you're going to meditate? <laughs> Kai, do you remember how I told you how to meditate? What do you do with your you hold your fingers together and sit cross-legged? And you have to You don't
0: have to sit cross-legged.
1: Do you float 3 feet off the ground and fly oh, around? Oh,
0: yes, totally. <laughs> like yes. Like a magic carpet?
1: Yes. And you can cast spells.
0: Mhm. You and can be a see wit- that iron w- bar behind Say
1: wizard. You.
0: <laughs> wizard! <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. Alright, I might have more later, but if I don't, um, the race will start, and it's, uh, the better I'm doing and the faster I'm going, look at this guy, look at me, boy, he is in it to win it, look at him, they can't hear me, no, I'm saying he looks both awesome, and he's got a big beard. Oh, Emily saw a picture of Rob Carr's beard and in a she magazine. And got
0: all excited. She's like, I, did not like, I didn't,
1: wasn't so much into the beard as I just said he had nice eyes. And then he had Aww. his ear pierced. And I wondered if he had any tattoos. <laughs> and I wondered what his underwear was. And I wonder what he smells like.
0: <laughs> so then you made me sit there and, and look up He had his
1: Band-Aids wife. over his nipples, and I just wanted to peel them back and see what was under. <laughs> no,
0: I did not.
1: God. Oh, he he looks like he might be sweaty. Oh I need to wipe God. his brow. He's so strong. Okay. No? Are we done? Mm-hmm. I was
0: done a few minutes ago. You were the one that came
1: Oh, yeah, I did. Do you remember that Seinfeld where they're making fun of Jerry wearing that... That one guy's making fun of Jerry wearing that fur coat. Uh. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm so fancy with my fur coat. I'm famous. Oh, Look at me. Touch me. Feel me. Hug me. And then everybody starts going... um, yeah. You okay, dude? <laughs> all right, so uh, I might go poop. All right, oh, later. Dad, out. That's gross.
0: Five or fifteen k.
1: All right, I had some other things to think about. Last night we ate at Double Dave's. <laughs> hey, remember Emily got all mad at me because we got all the way to Olive Garden. Yes,
0: and kind of talking am- about having a sit-down, nice dinner with salad and hopefully a dessert at the end. And Brett threw a little temper tantrum when he found out that they didn't have. Pizza anymore?
1: Yeah. Well, they did so they have
0: pizza, but it was kids. It was not, they have it kids. It was Not good enough.
1: Not <laughs> good enough. <laughs> so my uh, my previous race PR's race note said vegetarian pizza at, that you got at the Olive Garden was the most awesome night before the race meal ever. So we go to the Olive Garden, and then they go. I start looking at the menu, and there's no pizza. And we're out in the lobby, you know, because we're waiting to get a table. And I go, well, that's it. So on my Google Maps on the phone, I search for pizza. Double Dave's was five minutes away, which is a Texas-y kind of chain of uh, pizza. And they sometimes have a buffet. And then so we get there, and then Emily threw a temper tantrum that I there was no buffet. Tantrum. Yeah, you did.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just not understanding. I thought it was every day.
1: I was just not understanding. That's what <laughs> That's what Emily says when she a temper I
0: threw a temper tantrum when it took so long to eat to get the
1: food. Oh, it took forever. And then Mommy was all yeah. going, Emily was all going, This better be our pizza, or I'm going to, I'm going to and then uh nothing but anyway we ate a ton last night it was great
0: mom didn't let me eat five pieces even though they were really small oh my god kai ate so much pizza pizza, so fast he he almost
1: went into a food coma right after that
0: (laughs) yeah you ate like 99 pieces of (laughs) vegetarian
1: yeah but i did almost fall asleep and then so last night i put together all my stuff for the race and then left just a little bit for this morning all right it's time to start getting ready baby you ready
0: Oh my god, mom. Do Happy Fireman like Day. That. Who is that? Do I don't know. Press Mommy's like. looking
1: at pictures of shirtless firemen with muscles.
0: I just showed you something I
1: came across on Facebook. Facebook look.
0: Pictures of them. that was you got, there. Go ahead. We're, we're done.
1: Okay, are we done? Mommy needs to get back to looking at her firemen. Okay. You were in the big ra- Hurry to get over here. Yeah. Here we are. Now we're ready. Mm-hmm. Pause. Pause. Okay. Be back in a minute. Bye. All right, here we go. Uh, the race started, and it was a, a really nice start. Um, and, uh, other things in my show notes, you know, the night before the race, I pinned on my race number to my shorts, and they do the safety pins and the race number trimmed down. And you put it on your – when you do trail running, you you pin it to your the leg of your shorts. And then um, and laid out all my stuff for the next day and mixed my fuel the night before. What I'd used for a fuel mix on the race was – um, I ran with an amphipod belt and one bottle, they clip onto your waist, uh, 10.5 ounces of um, of maltodextrin and Gator, just a tiny bit of Gatorade powder. And I have uh, three bottles of this and the running course is a looping run. So I was going to do three loops of 16 something miles. And um, so I would finish one. The plan was finish a bottle and then drop it off and pick up another bottle. And the bottles are already pre-made. So they're like drop bags, uh, like halfway through like an Ironman bike ride or something like that. And then uh, there's aid stations uh, every so often along the run course. And what I did is on my wrist, I wrote um, with a permanent marker, um, a Sharpie. I wrote the distance between aid stations because they can vary a lot. Some of them are less than three miles apart and some of them are four point seven one of them's 4.7 miles till the next aid station and if you're running uh, the temperature forecast was to get in the 70s if you're running 4.7 miles from one aid station to the next and it's 70 degrees you want to know that that's about how far you're going to run so you can load up on water and what you'll find is while you're running loops and you're out in the woods and you've been running 40 miles you kind of forget things and so it's you don't want to have to think. You just want to know, (laughs) and uh, so I just looked down at my wrist and I go, okay, four point seven miles to the next aid station. This aid station, load up on extra water. And I was running with a water bottle in my hand, and then another empty belt bottle, a ten point five ounce bottle on my waist that clipped in. And most of the time it was empty because you don't want to carry extra weight while you're running if you don't need to. But between though that aid station run that 4.7 miler I would fill that one up with water as well and uh, go through it um, in my fuel I'm added some green tea matcha powder and uh, sea salt and then in my running bottle in my hand was a little pocket thing and uh, I put in salt pills ibuprofen Tylenol and Vaseline lip therapy which I'm going to get to in a second in that and so I had all that and started off on the run um, before the run actually started. I put Skin Sake, which is a lube that's really uh, hard to remove. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, I put it on my crotch and uh, between my legs where the shorts would rub and on, on my feet and then um, where I typically get blisters. Then put on my socks and put more um, inside my shoes where I typically get blisters. And it worked really well. Um, I ended up after the race was over with a small blister on the ball of my left foot above my, see, this is how detailed notes I take, uh, so that next year I'll put more lube right there, um, above the ball of my left foot above ground level, like it was the base of my thumb joint. Okay. So we got up at three 30 in the morning, left hotel at four 45, just enough time to finish getting stuff together and make it to the park at five Oh five. And in my notes, uh, 505 to poop at nice bathrooms with no line instead of a porta um can They have one nice bathroom there. And I got there, and as soon as I got into the bathroom, uh, there was one guy in the stall. And uh, then the um, I was waiting on him. And as I was waiting on him, all of a sudden, a line just started forming behind me. And see, I put this in my notes, so next time I know... <laughs> You want to get there by 5 o'clock. Race starts at 6, by the way. You want to get there at 5 o'clock so you got time to go to the bathroom if you need to. And then um, starting temperature was around 41 degrees at 6 a.m. Clear weather with a little bit of fog, which means there wasn't any wind. uh, Got up to around 67 by mid-afternoon. And um, so that's important because all the show notes, all the notes about how the race went are relevant because temperature has a ton to do with uh, running. Um, You want to know the the you know if something worked or not whether it was a hot day or a cold day and then um, I started off the race wearing my Von Blanc shirt and this is really cool so my family comes from, (laughs) just barely, uh, some kind of royalty in Germany. We had like a little castle or something like that, and then the Prussians attacked from the north and ran the von Blancks out of uh, Germany. And This is in the 1800s, and uh, we fled and changed our name to Blankner, and then got on a boat, fled to the United States. A baby was born on the boat, and the baby died and had to be buried on the road, After we landed in the Boston Harbor area and there was a dirt road on the way into Boston (laughs) and, uh, um, into the town and our family buried the, uh, the baby that didn't make it and maybe somebody else on the uh, side of the road and then kept going into town. And that's how the Blankners got to Germany or Germany, got to America. And, uh, my dad did all this research and found out all this and, um, so, Von Blanc is the old family name, and uh, as a joke around our house, we call ourselves Von Blanc Racing, and it's kind of funny because we're racing for our lives. <laughs> the Von Blancs that were fit and were healthy enough to, to haul ass and get out of there are the ones that survive. so the, um, your instinct to run... And to race is actually a survival instinct because the ones that don't do that tend to not make it. And that's still going on today with humans all over the planet. And it's been going on since the beginning of time. And that's why racing and uh, running and uh, all the endurance is in your blood. And this is why you like this stuff. And I'm talking to you listening right now. That's why you're here. All right. So we have these t-shirts made up as a, as a tongue-in-cheek kind of fun thing called von blanc racing and they're black and they're really cool and emily and i have one and kai has one and uh so we wore them for kai wore his uh during his fun run the day before and i wore mine uh during my race emily has one too and she wore it for both all right so the race started and what i did it's pitch black and there's headlamps and stuff and i wore um well in here let's see i got kind of towards the front but not towards the very 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 front because i didn't think my i'm not that competitive uh i'm competitive but i'm not that fast Is what i mean and the uh the race started and it's just a countdown and a go and uh, it's just headlamps that kind of float off over the horizon into the woods it's really neat to see an ultra trail run start they're pretty neat and um this time around, this race, not many people passed me, or uh, not very many people uh, did I pass. And that was nice. I managed somehow to um, to be at, at a sweet spot at the starting. You know, you start a race, and then it, start, it gets really annoying because everybody's like trying to get around you, or you're trying to get around everybody. So, kind of towards the front is my notes. Oh, and by the way, I averaged an 11-minute mile for the whole thing. Um, then I... Uh, wore headphones. So I have wireless Jaybird headphones, Bluetooth headphones. And in my notes, it says, thank God, because it, um, I, I'm so used to training the training at the Ironman level. Um, you in ultra running, you tend to have to train by yourself. Because if you train with other people, you'll actually not train right because you're training at their speeds and other speeds and you won't be very competitive because you're not training yourself. You're just kind of hanging out with people and doing it socially. So um, you you need to do your intervals at your speed, at your watts and stuff and your hills and and you're running at your time. And and, um, so I'm used to training alone and the... uh, when I get around other people and they're yakking about you know da 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 da, da talking talking talking, it's really weird. It's really distracting. And uh, the other thing is, a lot of times people negative self talk. They talk about oh well, I'm just going to try to do you know whatever. If I if I don't do well, then you know I don't really care. I'm just out here. I drank a lot of beer last night. You know this this negative like um, this downer kind of talk. And um, it affects you as an athlete to, uh, to hear this kind of stuff. I mean, really what you need to hear is run. You need a voice in your head saying, run at the exact right speed for you right now. And you can do this. You can do this. Run at the exact right speed that's right for you right now. You can do this. You can do this. Do the right thing. Come on. It's a long day. That's If you can hear any voice in your head, that's the voice that should be playing. And what's playing instead is just other people's crazy stuff, you know? And so in my show notes, or my notes from the last time I did the race, I have in there, what, bring headphones with you. You don't have to play them the entire time, but if people start talking and it starts getting uh, annoying, just turn on your headphones, and then you can't hear them anymore, and just play some music, and and it's smart. Do that. And you can do that in uh, ultra running. And uh, so I did. And... <laughs> um, I turned them on when needed to save the battery and turn them off, you know, when not needed. And it worked out great. Um, I had a visor, I was wearing a running visor and a headlamp that you clip onto the visor in the front. And, um, that those aren't very powerful and it tended, it actually just doesn't work. It's nice for getting ready for the race. Um, so that you can look in your, in your bag or whatever you got and kind of see, uh, what you're doing but it it is not enough to really light up a trail. It's powered. It's an amphipod, and it's powered by a couple of uh, watch batteries. So it's not really. It's not that bright. Um, so it's useful before the race, but not really good for lighting up the trail. And then, the killer app is the handheld flashlight. Uh, my friend Chris taught me this. Chris Matus, who's a really good trail runner, uh, taught me this. He said if you wear a headlamp um, while trail running. Even though there's this huge market for headlamps and it seems like the thing you got to have and they do work pretty good, pretty well. The, uh, the interesting thing is, is because it's right in line with the, your line of sight, um, the shadows that it throws are hidden behind the object that it's lighting up, right? Um, if you hold a headlamp, if you hold a flashlight at your forehead and point it at things, you'll never see shadows because the shadows are behind the object, uh, that you're lighting up. Well, this is a huge problem in trail running because what happens is you, you have no definition of what's going on on the trail and you're, you can't see roots. You, you see a stick, kind of, but you don't know how tall it is because there's no shadow behind it. And the alternative is to run with the flashlight in your hand, lower down by your waist. And guess what it does? It throws a long shadow of anything that's sticking up. And then you can uh, step over things or see that there's a hole. And, and I've done this. I've run lots with a headlamp and, and then vice versa with a handheld down by your waist flashlight. And the difference is dramatic. And um, so I'm, we're starting off the race and yeah, there's, uh, people falling down around me and tripping and stuff like that. And I'm running with my, um, with a handheld flashlight. So if you're going to go trail running at night, um, the, uh, the handheld is way, way better. And I was just using a little led flashlight. Um, that's, you know, just a typical little jobber. Uh, cause I knew it wasn't going to rain. So I wasn't worried about like getting a waterproof one or anything and, and it's lightweight. And the, um, the downside, though, of that is um, it can get you seasick after a while because you're swinging your hands back and forth and you're lighting up the trail and it's the shadows are moving, you know, and the lights moving like all over the place. And uh, now, and you're also having to hold something in your hand. But the Rocky Raccoon is starts at 6 a.m. and so I looked at the uh, sunrise uh, time and I knew I was going to get about 45 minutes of dark. And I figured I could survive, and I know I could survive about 45 minutes of this without getting seasick or or getting frustrated and getting tired of watching a flashlight bob up and down as I run uh, around the trail. And then, let's see, that was uh, that was a really that was a really good tip that my friend uh, gave me, so that was pretty cool. And then also, um, I was wearing uh, a beanie hat and gloves and an overshirt to stay warm because it's 46 degrees, and you're waiting at the starting line you know, to, for things to get going. And, uh, the air was actually damp. Oh, if it's high humidity, damp air is actually colder than dry air. Uh, it's really weird. Um, so I started off the run with, uh, wearing, a, you know, one of these string backpacks that you can get at pretty much any event. The thing is, is, um, and then I was, I was going to shed layers and get done with the flashlight. I was going to put them into the backpack. The, um, the trick, though, is these things, these string backpacks. If you run with one, they're super lightweight, and I highly recommend it. But there's a you got to do it the right way. There's um, if you just wear them normally, they swing back and forth and back and forth across your back, and it's really annoying. But so what you do instead is you get a a clip of some sort, and I use an ID badge clip from work, uh, and you loop it around one. One side on on your chest, and then clip the other side on your chest, and it makes like a cinch strap on the front of the thing um, that won't move up and down because the clip kind of holds it in place with friction because it bites down on the strings and it uh, holds the back pla- it holds the backpack tighter against your body. And you put stuff in there, and it's awesome. I use it for trail I use it for trail running and long running all the time. All right, sorry, I had to. <laughs> I had to get off the microphone for a second, and I'm back. But actually, it's been a few, quite a few days, and I've changed locations. I'm I'm at my house, uh, doing something. So uh, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, running with this uh, string backpack. Um, so then I stopped at one point, about an hour in. Took off my beanie hat and my uh, bamboo black long sleeve shirt. So there's you can get shirts that are made out of bamboo material. Come on, buddy. Come on in, you freaks. Here's the dogs. I'll let them in. We're going to hear them yelling at anybody out front. Okay. The um, Kahula, Kahara, something like that is the brand. I don't have it on me. But anyway, bamboo is awesome. It's kind of like wool. It's a natural wicking and um, antimicrobial. I got it right here. Let's see. Material. And I've got a shirt that's a long sleeve black shirt that's made out of this. Some of it's bamboo. Let me look at the tag Karaloa. C-A-R-I-L-O-H-A. Performance bamboo foot. Made in India. Where is the Karen instructions? Here it is. It is 55% organic cotton. 40% viscose from bamboo. 5% elastane. Which is spandex kind of stuff. Anyway. It's a really cool shirt. Um, So... I was wearing that over my Von Blanc <laughs> shirt and I also had on arm coolers on underneath all that. And, uh, so anyway, I peeled off the, um, the, uh, long sleeve shirt and the beanie hat and with the flashlight st- stuffed the flat that in the flashlight, all in the beanie bag and, uh, the beanie bag, the, uh, running backpack thing that I had and then took off running again, and it worked great. It's such a smart thing. I talk about it every once in a while on a podcast. Everybody ought to figure out how to use one of these things. It's great. Anyway, um, and let's see. So that was all kind of the race start kind of stuff. And then during the race, uh, there's actually a little bit less during the race because um, the race is such a blur, you know, once you get going, even though you're just jogging. Um, now, this was three laps, and my best ever was previous races was a 305 lap three hours three hours and five minutes lap and then what i do is i do the first lap as easy as i can and then the second lap as easy as i can and then halfway through the third lap you start asking yourself okay because you're really coming apart by that time by that time and then you go uh could i go faster and if you got anything left then go faster so Hi, I did uh, my notes here. First lap was ridiculously easy. Um, uh, If you could get your fueling right, everything would be so much better. (laughs) Better in life, better in long races, because this lap was well-fueled. I felt fine, and because I felt fine, I was just jogging along super easy. And I ran my first lap in two hours and 55 minutes. So ten minutes faster than probably my best ever uh, lap that I've ever done, and then my second lap I did in a three hundred two, and my last one in three twelve. First lap was first lap and a half was pretty awesome. So about four and a half hours, um, it was pretty awesome. Started to get burpy and illish, illish feeling sick um, halfway through the whole race. Um, so, I remember I was running along and I was like, I started burping and I'm like, oh man, you know, what the hell's going on? And uh, not able to take on fuel. And um, eventually, after about an hour of this, there was this aid station that I stopped at and I grabbed a, um, they had Oreos and some other stuff. And I was like, that's all, that's all nice. And then they had Samoa Girl Scout cookies. This, that's a caramel drizzle with a little bit of coconut in it. And it was they laughed when i I was kind of looking, and I go those, I want those and they said, they just go, okay here and uh, so I was uh, I ate half of one and then finished it off and felt amazing and looking back, it might have been because I stopped long enough to fiddle with the cookies and like um you know I slowed down and I brought my heart rate down, and that brought my effort down enough to digest the fuel that was sitting in me. And that might have actually been more of it than anything else. Um, but anyway, after I ate that, the, that cookie and a half, two cookies, um, over the next half hour, I felt amazing and like got my heart rate back up again and was hauling ass. And uh, yeah, that was a good time. And uh, let's see, I got that at Park Road, if you know that aid station. And felt good again for about an hour. Then felt like crap again for the rest of the race. <laughs> um, flew, in all caps, through the first four hours, like it was super easy, feeling great. Running mostly on last night's pizza. Eat, did I eat too much sweet stuff early on? Too much Tylenol and ibuprofen. I took a little bit of that uh, starting at the beginning of the race. I think I'm going to quit doing that. And then um, I quit that entirely and cut salt down to one tablet an hour after about halfway through. I did lots of salt pills at first, one every 30 minutes. And then I was peeing a little bit too much at first. Um every 45 minutes, every hour, something like that. Um, later on, peed normal amount, a little bit dehydrated, got a little warm at the end of the race. So it got up to like 67, which if you're running marathons, <laughs> that's hot. It's actually pretty hot. And remember I was wearing this uh, running belt with two 40-ounce flasks, two uh, 10-ounce flasks, and uh, and then a running bottle in my hand. And a lot of the time, almost the entire time, the one flask would have fuel in it that I made up and then another, the other flask would be empty and I was saving it for when it got hot. And so, um, as it started getting hot and I was running in the afternoon, I would fill up that second, uh, flask and dribble water on my head as I was running and it worked great. It actually kept me really, really cool. And, uh, so I, I figured this out about a year and a half ago or so and I'm still really recommending it It works really great and then um Vaseline under my left arm as my arm cooler started scraping my armpit that was really smart so the Vaseline lip therapy the little tiny little bottle tiny bottle of it I kept in my uh running uh handheld running bottle pocket thing yeah I pulled that out and put some Vaseline under my arm and then was fine and then singing, my note's saying here, singing about Jesus guy, all caps. Well, all first letter caps. Singing about Jesus guy was back. Headphones helped so much with that. So there's this guy that runs, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, and he listens to music while he's running. And it's his own headphones, so you can't hear it. But he's singing about it. And I think it's Christian music because he's like, Hey, yeah, with the power from above, gonna, gonna be with him, you can do it, it's amazing, what a beautiful life with him, you know, and (laughs) I swear to God, because you can't hear what he's listening to, you can't hear the beat, it's terrible, man, it's absolutely terrible, it's a song that you probably don't know, and somebody else is singing it, and, um, and but then you find yourself going, Jesus, stop this guy! <laughs> Jesus, help this guy by stopping him from doing this. This is terrible, man. It's really annoying. And uh, there, on a rare occasion too, I would somebody would be running the other way or running whatever. I'd pass somebody and they would be listening to music on their on um, on a speaker. And I got to tell you, man, who, you people that do that, you you think that that's okay, and that no one else minds, man. So many people mind. It, it is not cool. Uh, you're really put in some headphones, man, <laughs> and uh, just just list, put in some headphones, please. And uh, it really throws off the whole spirit of the whole thing to hear you know random music coming from from a horrible speaker. Um, and you'll hear it better, too. If, if you put in headphones, it'll sound better to you. And uh, if you say, well, I can't do it because headphones get in the way, get some Jaybirds, get some Bluetooth headphones. Uh, they work really good. Okay, off with that. And um, let's see, uh, my training, just a real quick note here. When I felt good, oh, bad nutrition this year felt terrible, absolutely terrible when you felt bad. But when you felt good, you felt great the training you did was absolutely perfect. Um, I drank tons of water the entire way. Maybe that's what helped you keep going in, spiteing, in spite of not feeling good from uh, the fueling. And yeah, so I've been working this direction of drinking a liter, liter and a half uh, per hour or up to two liters, I guess, I don't know. But a liter, liter and a half per hour um, while working out. And I'm ramping up my water volume because you need like that kind of water to digest the kind of fuel that you need to eat to keep going. And so first it's water and then fuel on top of that. But you got to take, make sure you take a little bit extra salt with that kind of water so that um, it's got some electrolytes in it or so you don't get hyponatremia. Um, So one time I tripped and crashed while running downhill. I scraped up my right hip uh, pretty good still itches a little bit and um but the bottle in my right hand took the brunt of the fall i put my hand down and my bottle hit and i just slid along the bottle <laughs> and um it was kind of a crazy fall like i tripped and stumbled you know and you try to save yourself and then it's not going to happen and it was when i was feeling really really good so i was kind of probably outrunning my legs a little bit it's after i ate one of those girl scout samoa cookies and uh but the water bottle kind of saved my hand a little bit from getting scratched up so that was kind of interesting um did ibuprofen and Tylenol in the first half screw you up uh I'd like to get some feedback from people on what they think about that um yeah I probably I did I shouldn't have been taking that but um people tell me uh let me know what they think and some expert advice weigh in on that um I knew that if I kept my heart rate below 140, I could still eat and digest plenty as long as I kept pouring water in with it. And I'm starting to think maybe 140 was a little bit, um, I was below 140, but I was doing like uh 135 or something like that. And maybe I should have been going even uh, less than that, uh, less hard. And then, um... Yeah, so somebody was looking at my graph and because I posted it on, on the interwebs. And they said, uh, holy crap, you kept your heart rate just like so even throughout the entire, the entire run. And that's actually what I focused everything on was um, uh, if my heart rate starts climbing, slow down. If my uh, heart rate starts dropping, um, then either you're not eating enough or drinking enough a- and you're bonking. So fix it right and so that's what i did uh so my heart rate graph for this entire race is actually pretty impressive uh for me uh it's nice and smooth between like 125 and 135 like the entire way uh it was really cool um and that includes not going too hard on the uphills you know so you don't spike it and then uh, uh wear yourself out um should you eat solid foods Amrita bars fig newmans rice bombs uh during, more of this during the race. Instead, does that stimulate digestion? I don't know. Um, I've heard the opposite. But why did the Samoa cookie work so well? Cookies. Oh, and then through the, um, the last half of the race, I tried eating Oreos um, because they're real sugary, but there's actually a lot of fat in them. That probably didn't help. And uh, Samoa's too. And, uh, and that didn't work any better. Uh, actually I went back to feeling like crap again so I'm not really sure um, I do have this uh, this uh, amazing skill that is not marketable for anything uh, I can run downhill like a madman <laughs> <laughs> I would just pass tons of people running downhill I, I've got some weird thing where that's my my one thing that I'm not afraid of doing um, is running downhill fast and um, I think we're going to talk about it in a second the uh, the lack of downhill run training in my training and my ability, my my love or my non fear for running downhill fast um, ended up really freaking hurting my legs towards the end of the race. Um, and then uh, I took my shirt. I love off road ultra marathons because. After uh, you warm up, it, they are totally cool with you running with no shirt on. and um, it keeps I'm a bigger guy, so it keeps me super, super cool to uh, take the shirt off. I really enjoy it. So um, after lap one, I took my shirt off and handed it to Emily, and we laughed about it and then uh, took off running again. Okay, after race thoughts. So oh, I finished the race and um, uh, when I got to the finish line, because I was running really hard, the last like 10 minutes or so, um, I started feeling like I was gonna puke uh, when I got to the finish line, but, um, like out of 10, like an eight out of 10, like I was going to puke, I was being pretty careful and, uh, that I didn't puke. I took a really funny picture of a puking sign. There's an arrow, like don't puke here, puke other places. Um, cause the finish line's an aid station and as well. And, um, uh, I was glad I was the last bit of the run, you know, I was running like a, um, an eight, minute mile for the last like half mile or something like that um which was signs that I still had the training uh was definitely there um it's just more of a fueling thing of why I couldn't go faster and um yeah so that was uh the the wrap-up of the race we went and I got my medal (laughs) I go stand still so we can take your um don't go anywhere so we can take your ankle uh chip off and I'm like don't worry I'm not going anywhere Um, and my legs really hurt when I was done and we went and ate Mexican food and I had, oh, Emily had a cold beer waiting for me in the car when I was done and I only drank about half of it. You know, I was just not interested in eating anymore. So, um, yeah, so my fueling was just kind of, and then, um, so after race thoughts, oh, wait. And then Emily, what's so cool is Huntsville's uh, an hour and 15 minutes from my house. So, um, we drove home and then, uh, stayed up a little bit. And, uh, then what did I do? I, uh, went to bed, (laughs) had fun and went to bed. And then, uh, after race thoughts. Okay. Nike dry fit shorts rock and, uh, no chafing. No, um, they're just really, really good. They don't hold on to water sweat and get weighed down and nasty. Um, and it's the dry fit. That's kind of a silkier dry fit. Um, that's stretchy and silky. Look for those if you can, and then um, run and dry as dri. Uh, should I have run slower on the downhills, possibly, uh, to keep my legs from getting so sore later on? The uh, the carb loading before a race works great. <laughs> I ran that first lap, first lap and a half on just. The carbs from the pat from the previous couple of days, and so that's four and a half hours, four hours, four and a half hours of just cruising along. That's that's a fast, a really fast half Ironman, basically on previous day's food um, that you don't have to digest. That's absolutely amazing that that's available in your body to use. And if you race shorter races, then you got to remember, you got to start thinking about that. That that this is something that is available as your in your body as a system it can use. Um, polarized training with hard intervals works. All capital works with an exclamation point. Never came close to stressing out aerobic or my muscle system, uh, my strength system. A uh, huge PR, like a PR by almost half an hour um felt ridiculously easy while my fueling was working um so yeah polarized training is the freaking bomb it, it is so cool uh you can't do polarized training until you get some base under you but then once you get your base in and you can kind of go the time then the polarized is just amazing and that's a, a method that i coach i'm full of coaching clients right now so i'm not advertising myself but polarized training is the method that i like to coach and um it's so easy to coach too. It's, it's great. Um, uh, your personal fuel formula didn't work, uh, mostly Malto and a little bit of Gatorade, green tea, and salt. After you ran out of, ener- out of stored energy, you started getting kind of sick and fading at five hours in. Um, I've actually been talking with Paul Duncan Jr., who's Angela Nath's uh, husband. And he's cluing me in a little bit that it's a lot of times it's, if your fuel is pretty standard fuel and what that is that's maltodextrin with some Gatorade that's basically gel, um, that it's actually what you're eating um, the the day before and the morning of that's more important um, and may have a lot to do with your fuel not working. So uh, we'll have a lot more on that later on in the year as we evolve towards our Ironman training. Um, Ate a Girl Scout cookie and boom, took off like a beast. But the next aid stations only had Oreos and didn't work so well. I couldn't get my heart rate up towards the end like in 2013. I had to run, walk little bits as I kept fading and finishing up. Um, and finished up. Uh, felt pretty sick after the finish and fragile and sore. Not ideal. Very, very sore um, in my quads uh, the days, the following days as well. Um, Very sore. Uh, Note, limiting factor along with shitty nutrition, (laughs) sorry for cursing, uh, was quads started giving out and that really slowed you down. You definitely have to do quad work at a gym on machines or running downhills uh, before your next one of these ultra marathons. You were way too sore after the race. Um, My glutes, I said in my notes it says flutes. I mistyped maybe auto correcting. i'm going to fix that glutes and hamstrings started to hurt at one point during the run but then it went away that was weird um about halfway through it hurt for about 20 minutes and then all of a sudden i was fine again uh i tripped and fell already got that um twisted my ankles a few times but not that bad so running off road at millican which is this area near my house on these trails was a really smart idea um the crowd really thinned out over time. Music was nice to keep myself company. Yeah, so I would do my music kind of on sometimes, kind of off. Uh, yeah, I was playing music about half the time. If I got bored or if I wanted to use it to motivate me to keep going when I wasn't feeling good or something like that. Um, uh, with, uh, I was trying to save battery, you know, in case on my phone and uh, and on the headphones. Um, Morgan, <laughs> Morgan called me with about one mile left. It's like, hey, what's going on? While well, I was running. <laughs> and at this point, I, I, I'm feeling, my stomach's feeling queasy, and I'm running as hard as I absolutely can because the finish line is a mile, it was less than a mile away. And I said, dude, I got to call you back. I'm finishing this race. And he goes, oh, sorry. <laughs> and um some guy passed me with three quarters of a mile left to go, and I didn't have the energy to chase him down. And, oh, that, that was... Ugh that pissed me off i was like oh man i've got my guy you know at the end to really make this a race and there he is there's my rabbit and didn't have didn't have the energy even though my stomach was i couldn't eat anymore you know what i mean it was weird and i hate that um Garmin tracking on the Garmin 920 XT rocked. So this is a triathlon watch, but guess what? It makes a great ultra marathon watch because you can turn on the tracking. And my watch almost ran out of battery, but I think the backlight was on and it, you can't tell during the daytime if the backlight is on. So I um, I found a setting in there where, where it turns the back. You can have the backlight on all the time and you have to manually turn it off. And I think that's what mine was on. Um, and then there's um auto turn off, so I switch mine back to auto turn off after like fifteen seconds or something like that. No matter what, it'll auto turn off, and um you have to manually turn it back on, but then it'll auto turn off, and I think that'll save my battery because the watch is supposed to last like twenty hours or something like that. So the fact that I was hitting it started giving me low battery warnings at eight hours and forty five minutes in. I was like, that's not right. Um, my phone for the live tracking only used about 50% of the battery in spite of listening to Pandora about half the time <laughs> and using all the Garmin tracking. Uh, so that, and, a uh, very rare, uh, tweet. I tweeted a few times while I was running and checked Twitter a couple times while I was running. Um, I swapped out my Jaybirds for a fresh pair, Jaybird headphones, Bluetooth headphones, uh, for a fresh pair on the last lap. Uh, they lasted just fine. Um, uh, at one point during the run, I tweeted, is, is this live tracking thing working? And then, because no one replied back that they were following it. And then a whole bunch of people replied back, yes, this is awesome. Keep going <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, okay. And um, it's like, is this thing on? And then um, this is really interesting. I noticed that people were cheering for me differently. Lots of looking good, man. Come on, you got it. Like I was an actual like contender. <laughs> You know, for the race, and um, how people cheer for you differently when you're actually—it's uh, when you're actually racing um, towards the front instead of just completing a race—is—is is weird. Um, and I do the same thing to other people. When there's a guy that's leading a race, what do you say? You tell him, uh, "You got it, you got it, man. Come on!" Like that. And then what do you tell the second place guy? Hey, he's only like two minutes in front of you, right? You don't, and now let's say you're you're cheering on people that are like towards the middle or towards the back of a of a race. What do you say? Good job, good job, good job. They ought to they ought to do a fifty. They ought to do an ultra marathon marathon called the Good Job Marathon because <laughs> that's all people say. It's kind of like that that joke about what's the shortest word in the in the English language, and it's somebody smoking a joint and then going here <laughs> like that. Well, in ultra running, it's good job, good job because that's all you can get out of your mouth. And uh, so I noticed while I'm running, something weird was happening where I would pass people or there'd be volunteers or something like that. And they're like, all right, you got it. You got it. Come on, like that. And I was like, what? What? What's happening? This is odd. I don't get this usually. And then um, I started to realize that I was, uh, my training and my pace and everything had elevated uh, my performance up to a level where now I was being lumped into the group of the fast guys towards the front. And that was really cool. I was like, that's weird. Um, The best results are when you're not looking for the results and then the results are presented to you. Because, you know, there's, I forgot, it's some kind of, something bias. I forgot what it's called. um, Where you find what you're looking for, you know, you're more likely to find something if you're looking for it. So if something starts happening and you're not even looking for it, that is a huge indicator that there's a, that, That that thing is there. Um, If uh, I'm trying to think of a better example, but I think y'all understand what I'm talking about. There's the phone. I'm not going to answer that. Um, If you walk around looking for a quarter, you'll eventually find a quarter pretty quickly, you know. And then, uh, but if you uh, if you stumble over a quarter, that must mean there are quarters everywhere. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the fact that I noticed that other people were saying, you know, were treating me like I was a faster guy. Uh, without me wanting to be treated or thinking that I should be treated like a faster guy, I was like, holy crap, I must have gotten faster. Which that's that was such a nice uh side effect of of the race that I enjoyed. Um but still uh tenth and age group and thirty-sixth overall, you know, isn't like that's not that's not that great. But it's still so much better than what I used to do, which was super slow. Um don't take any ibuprofen or Tylenol next time. Just stop taking it. It's in my notes. Uh, feeling like a... Uh, only take that if you're feeling like a boss with plenty of food in your stomach and you feel and you feel great. Oh, yeah. Maybe um, taking it... Uh, yeah, because my stomach probably didn't have enough food in it and I'm sitting there taking drugs and um, it's probably making me feel ill. How about that? Um uh, I had no joint pain at all during or after the race. My knees and hips are fine. So this is really interesting. A lot of people, most people will have um, ankle, knee, foot, hip pain, like all kinds of stuff from their joints being um, torqued from long distance running. And, uh, you know, Ironman and stuff like that, you feel the same way. Uh, and the only thing that hurt after the race was my quads. That was it and um that's a that's a huge plug for um you know cushiony shoes and i was wearing adidas energy boost which are um nice and cushiony so uh, check those out um in my notes though here it says uh if you're going to do for 50 miles uh, adidas energy boost is okay um but uh, hokas, if you're going to run longer, people swear by them. If you're going to run really, really long or for a long time, what's long for you, like really long for you that hokas with all that cushioning is, uh, is good stuff. Okay. Um, I think that's it. Holy crap. And then I, in my show, in my notes about the race, I got things like the race document and maps and stuff like that, that they give. So, yeah. So that was the race, man. Um, Let's go to show sponsors and let's try to wrap this sucker up and get it out. Let's see. We have Amphibian Multisport in Libertyville, Illinois. Go check them out. First ride on the comp Trainer is free. AmphibianMultisport.com. And um, bring your own bike in if you like. And you can ride on the comp Trainer. And they've got. Uh, uh, the endless pools and they do uh, no contract membership. So you can pay by month to month, uh, hundred bucks a month for active military and firefighters and police. They have a $25 a day drop in rate. If you're not a member, which is super cool. So if you're in the Chicago area, go check them out full blown tri shop. Super cool. And that's from a good friend and supporter from the show. So we're happy to have him on as the, um, as one of our sponsors. Thank you so much. Uh, Sound Probiotics. I have not gotten sick with anything. Anything. I haven't had a cold. Nothing. And I'm at work with all these, in an office, with people that are sneezing into their hands instead of into their shirt sleeve or into their elbow, you know? And it's like, you're a grown adult, man. Quit doing that. And and, uh, uh, probiotics keep you from getting sick. And uh, they help you digest food. They do all kinds of good stuff because they support your... Uh, immune system they support the bacteria growth in your stomach the good bacteria and uh that's like i think it's like 70 percent of your immune system is the bacteria in your digestive tract i wish i had the numbers on me right here but anyway it's really really good stuff and um sound probiotics is uh s-o-u-n-d i always got to spell things out because of my texas accent and the um theirs is formulated for athletes it's not just any regular uh, probiotics, and you can get 10% off of their orders with the coupon code, Zentri, all caps, Zentri, all one word. Go check them out. And also, this is super cool. My buddy Morgan has been working on improving trainer view. So uh, trainer view at Trainerview on Twitter is the website for it is realtimeathlete.com. He dropped the price by a ton and the pro version is like now like a dollar a month or something like that. And it is super cool and I'm continuing my ride around New Zealand. I have now made it from the northern tip of New Zealand uh down past Auckland, just to the west of Auckland and it is just so cool and I can create my own route. So I'm not taking a straight shot. I'm actually going down to the beach and riding around, um, you know, along the coastline and then coming back in to follow the coastline back in and then back out again through all these national parks. Uh, it's super, super cool. It's a, um, it's a website that stitches together. Google street view. You create your course and then if you get the pro version, you can save your courses, save your settings, save your position, save where you are and get right back on it again. And my goal is to ride all the way around New Zealand over, I don't know how long it's going to take me. I'm doing it like an hour at a time, two hours at a time. At, when I'm on my bike, I do it at 20 miles an hour. And when I do it on my treadmill, I do it at uh, like seven miles per hour. That's what I leave the setting on and just kind of leave it alone. And it's just so cool. I absolutely love it, man. Um, I post on my uh, Twitter account, uh, Zen Triathlon on Twitter, pictures from it all the time. And lots of cool stuff out there when when you actually uh, go to street level and cruise around. And again, you get to pick your own course. It's really, really nice. And then design your own course over and over and over again, anywhere you want to go. And it works anywhere where there's uh, Google Street View. So uh, all across Europe, except for Germany. Germany banned Google Street View for some reason. And then um, Australia, Norway, Hawaii, California, Nevada. Uh, It's really great for previewing race courses. Um, You can ride the Ironman Texas race course, for example, Galveston race course, and get get, uh, landmarks kind of memorized. It's really neat. Um, Let's see what else we have. Amrita bars. I think I'm out. I need more. Uh, 15% off Amrita Bars with discount code ZEN, all caps, at AmritaHealthFoods.com. So Amrita Bars are my go-to snack. They are date-based bars that are, I believe they're, I know they're nut-free. They might be gluten-free. They're really great for people that have allergies and uh, they're easily digestible, super awesome, mellow, and they make a cool racing kit. And it's just nice to have Amrita Bars laying around. They did a profile on me just the other day on their website, which is pretty cool. Um, again, 15% off Amrita Bars with discount code ZEN. And go to Amrita. It's A-M-R-I-T-A, healthfoods.com. And you can also support the show through donations. And so I have some emails. And yeah, I got one good email. I got an email uh, from another guy. Um, let me talk about that for a second. Uh, God, what's it? Matilia. Let me pull it up. And from Sweden. And he said, man, give Vitargo fuel another try. It really does work. He must not have been doing it right. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I probably wasn't. Um, let me, let me pull it up. I'll get his name. And, uh, you can support the show Zen in the art of triathlon easily. And I'll mention your name on the show if you support the show through donations. So it's super easy to donate to the show. If you uh, dig the show and you think you're getting some helpful tips, all I do on the show is just give tips of what I'm learning and uh, what the pros do, interview pros, interview coaches, and bring you all this so that everybody can have fun out there doing triathlon. And uh, if you do the recurring donation on the left side of zentriathlon.com down by the PayPal link, zentriathlon.com, then um, it's three ninety five a, a month, so that's about a buck an episode. And that's super cool. I got a lot of people, we're going to read off names that support the show that way. And then you can also do a one-off donation. And if you donate to the show um, and you send me a question for me to answer on the show or you send me an email, I'll answer it on the show, which is super cool. You get a little bit of Zintrac coaching uh, for minimal bucks this way. And let's see if I can this whole time I've been talking and I never pulled up his... his, Matthias, M-A-T-T-I-A-S. And uh, he's from Sweden. Um, And what did he say? Uh, Vitargo is a Swedish innovation. I'll go check him out at Vitargo, V-I-T-A-R-G-O dot S-E. The dot S-E is Sweden. And um, it's been used here among top endurance athletes for years. Both as a carb loader before big races and fueling during races. Um, it can be very sticky and messy, and the powder is difficult to dissolve. But, and then it gave me some tips on how to do it uh, warm water, less powder, and lots of shaking. And, uh, but the stuff is awesome. It works really, really great. So, uh, so, if I was down on Vitargo last episode, you know, maybe give him another try. And let's go back. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Come on, I got things to do. Can't lose my notes. Okay, let's read off some donations and then we have some Hornet juice stuff. Um, Let's see. Christopher Allen donated to the show. Julie Callahan. Daniel Stark. Ken Soderquist. Il Sonier. (laughs) I always have trouble saying that. I don't know why. And uh, Let's see. Melissa J. Boudot. Brett Hoyer. Elizabeth Davis. And John R. Taylor, thank you for supporting Zen and Yard Triathlon. I've gotten uh, some comments that that people are really enjoying the latest episodes with our interviews with pros and stuff and with coaches. And uh, they're just a big value to your training. And, man, we're going to have a lot of cool stuff as we start ramping up for half Ironman and Ironman training. A lot of nutrition and pacing information I'm going to start doling out over the next uh, few months. Um, and and polarized training uh methods and tips so uh, stay tuned for that and also you can support the show on the right hand side by getting uh hornet juice and actually i did have a hornet juice a packet of hornet juice in my pre-race bottle um along with some gatorade uh before the uh, rocky raccoon and that had a lot to do with that smoking fast at, at a really easy effort um uh, first three hours, I think that was the Hornet Juice. In fact, I know it was the Hornet Juice working, working its magic. And uh, so, Hornet Juice is um, this amino acid powder that uh, you pour into your into your fuel, and you just add it. In. It's only about sixty calories, but holy crap, does this stuff work? It's absolutely amazing. It helps you metabolize uh, your body fat for extra energy, and it's um, based. <laughs> I always love this it's based on synthetic japanese killer hornet saliva no joke go look up the story on hornetjuice.com it is outrageous where they got this formula from but also it's equally outrageous on how well it works i get so many orders and then reorders from people uh, trying it out and uh, using it and absolutely loving it because it actually does work. It's crazy. And it's uh, it's good stuff. And um, Zentry, here at Zentry, we get just a little bit off the top. Any, any order of Hornet juice that you make through us, uh, we get a little bit off the top and that helps support the show. And then it's a really cool way to support the show because you get something that's, that's cool and fun to try. And then uh, you also support the show all in one move. It's pretty neat. Uh, let's see, Horn- I get lots and lots of orders of it. I, abs- I love being a uh, Hornet juice uh, uh, vendor. I don't know what we call it. But anyway, um, we got an email. Oh, you also get a personalized email from me uh, saying, hey, your Hornet juice is on your way. And that gives you an opportunity to uh, send me a note back and I'll read it on the show. And here's one from Mike C., says, Brett, just started listening to your podcast a month or so ago, and I'm really into it. It's been cold, all caps, cold, pretty much since the new year, but with enough layers on, running outside is just fine. I can't wait to try this. Hold on. I was looking at something. I can't wait to try this Hornet juice. I looked into it after hearing you plug it and haven't seen anything negative. Yeah. Yeah, man. Be a skeptic, you know? Like, uh, you know, one... Um, all the reviews of it are actually positive and it's it's I've never seen a negative review of it and then if it doesn't work for you there's no eh, you know whatever well then i don't know sell sell it back to your friends or something <laughs> um so it's a uh, that's a good indicator that it actually works is the reviews are all positive and um and uh and all the reorders and stuff like that um also i'm now using your baked potato in the microwave method thanks for the tip i look forward to hearing how your rocky raccoon 50 miler went on the next podcast next up for me is boston my first one so i guess it means boston marathon uh really getting after the training take care well thanks mike um yeah the baked potato in the microwave method this is what you do uh i'm i'm a uh I'm, a, I'm an industrious kind of guy and self-investigating and uh, I'll try out pretty much anything. And so I was like, man, I'm going to eat a freaking baked potato. How do I cook a baked potato? And I Googled it and it said super easy, five minutes in the microwave on uh, on one side, stab it with a fork a bunch of times, which actually I found out, don't stab it with a fork, stab it with a knife. It makes a, It's easier to uh, put holes in the um, baked potato with a knife. And then um, five minutes on one side... Flip it, turn it around, If you're, if you're or flip it over, and then uh, my, our rotator thing in the microwave doesn't work, the little motor. And then um, uh, another five minutes, and then it's cooked. And what I figured out, my first reaction was, geez, man, i got to wait freaking five minutes and then flip it, and then another five minutes to eat a potato? That's forever. Why can't it take like two minutes or something? <laughs> so I've learned a strategy is put it in the, you know, rinse it, scrub it, Stab it, throw it in the microwave, put it, set it to five minutes, and go do something for a while. Uh, don't be cooking a baked potato and expect to be eating the baked potato in a couple of minutes. Because man, after ten minutes in the microwave, that thing's got to cool down. You're not eating that baked potato anytime soon. So do it, cook it while you're getting ready for work, um, while you're cooling down from a workout. You know, and then when you do five minutes uh, and it's done, the microwave will start beeping at you. Hey, and then whenever you get around to it, you know, go over there and flip it over and, and put another uh, five minutes on it and then, um, and then it'll beep at you. And whenever you get around to it, go and grab it, right? Now, check this out. After it cools down, throw it in a, uh, cools down some, throw it in a Ziploc bag and sprinkle sea salt and then whatever your favorite flavoring is in there that you want to put on that baked potato. If it's A1 sauce. A baked potato with A1 is freaking great. Uh, Lee and Perrin's Worcestershire sauce, is goes good in there uh sriracha um i'm trying to think of something else that you could put in there uh all kinds of there's all kinds of you know uh one time i put a uh, thai peanut sauce in there and oh, that was so good and um now you got a baked potato in a ziploc bag and you can eat it like an apple because uh, it's now it's been marinating and it's in uh, whatever flavor you've given it for like half an hour, an hour, two hours, you know, take it to work with you, uh, uh, take it with you anywhere you want. It'll last a long days like that. And you can, um, oh, that sea salt is so good too. And you can just open it up, eat a few bites and close it back up, put it back in the fridge or wh- whatever you're doing. And, uh, it's really, really cool. It's, it's absolutely a portable, nice, uh, way to, um, to uh to have some fuel man and get your carbs and all kinds of good stuff all right so that is your uh, nutrition tip (laughs) for uh for uh for the show um if you start doing this the baked potato and the microwave and then throw it in a ziploc bag take pictures and post them on twitter with uh uh send me uh tag my name in it uh at Zentrathlon in it to uh so i can see what you're doing This has got me motivated i think i'm gonna make one right now to wrap up this show and let me go through i think that's it for sponsors and the uh episode yeah so that's it um yeah rocky R- I'm, just as another you know last plug the rocky raccoon was just tons of fun and it's so cool taking notes and um going through them later and ideas starting to come to mind um, afterwards, after the race and things like, oh, I should have tried this and I should have done that and I should have done this and writing them down in a document so you can use it for your next big race that's similar and get smarter every single time. You know, we're, we have big brains. We ought to use them. You know, uh, Sunto's big motto is replace luck. <laughs> Use technology to replace luck, and writing things down is a technology that humans came up with, and it can make you so much smarter. To share your knowledge with uh, you, share it with your kids, you know, pass it on to your friends, and then, and all in all, we can get better and better at this stuff. And uh, you're a natural born endurance athlete. You got to uncover the tricks that make it work. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Ooh. Keep the rubber side down, out.